Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Gracious, gift-giving God, we come eager and ready to receive. We welcome your gifts and strive to accept with humble hearts all you offer. Reveal to us where you already are, what work you have already done, and where you are inviting us to simply receive. We open our hearts, minds, and lives to your truth revealed in Holy Scripture. Amen. Our message today comes from the book of Luke, chapter 2. Hear these words. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy. For all the people to you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has shown and made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, once again, I'm so glad you could join us today at the beginning of our Advent season as we kind of kick off officially that the holidays are here, uh, that Christmas will be here before we know it. And if you've grown up in church, or maybe you're even if you're new, you might be a little confused about what Advent really means. Maybe it's just to ensure that no one is surprised when Christmas comes. Maybe it's just a way that the church stretches out this really big holiday into celebrating every Sunday beforehand after Thanksgiving. Um, But maybe it's also a time where we can really center our hearts and minds on what it is we are really celebrating despite all of the extraness that the world will offer in the next coming weeks. And I think all of those answers are just fine. I did want to remind us that the early church uh, started to uh, practice this season of Advent and a way to center their hearts and minds in anticipation and expectation, not of a baby being born, because that had already happened, but in fact for Christ's second coming, for when Christ's reign would be fully at hand, where there would be complete joy and peace, unity, and intense happiness in all the land. Now, I don't think that the early church thought if they lit some candles and read some scripture and really prayed hard that maybe by Christmas morning, more than just a baby, we could celebrate God's return to earth, crashing through on a valiant white horse and finally, ultimately saving the day. Or maybe they did. 
Maybe they thought that if we really concentrated on what the birth of this baby means, that this God would come and dwell amongst us here on earth, that our Savior has already been born, then maybe here on earth could look a lot more like it is in heaven. I want to discuss that today together as we dissect these words in our Holy Scripture, as we prepare at the beginning of this season and begin to uh, ready our hearts and minds for the coming of Christ and Christ's reign. Before we begin, I would like to first stop and pray. Will you pray with me? Holy, gracious, good, generous, and loving God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this place and for this space. Thank you for the many, many gifts you pour out onto us. Lord, thank you for your willingness to dwell amongst us. Thank you for your holy breath that is in our lungs, giving us life. And Lord, because of your goodness, because of all the ways you give and give, we also trust and believe that when we seek you, we will find you. That when we listen for you, Lord, we will hear you. And God, when we can somehow, some way, manage the courage to take just the next step in faith, you will always lead the way. And so, Lord, for the next few moments, we lay down our wills, our desires, and our kingdoms that we want, and instead humbly surrender to simply receive all of you and all of your ways. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I wanted to begin this morning talking about interruptions. I don't know about you, but I really don't like to be interrupted. I don't like it when I'm in the middle of a task that I finally got focused on and I'm interrupted. I don't like it when I have just settled into a really good show or even a YouTube video and I'm interrupted by an advertisement that I thought I'd already pressed skip enough to avoid. But of really being honest, I really don't like being interrupted when I'm talking. I automatically feel devalued and that the person who's interrupted me must think that they know more than me and they don't even care what I have to say. Even when I'm interrupted with solutions to a problem I might be sharing because I'd like to completely share the whole problem first. And now while I admit these things to you, I have to also admit I am an interrupter. I interrupt people all the time not because I devalue them, not because I don't want to hear what they have to say. If I'm being honest, it's because I'm excited to share and to jump in with what they are sharing about. But as I have grown in frustration with the interruptions that happen all around me all the time, I recognizing that God is speaking to me and saying, hey, this is how it feels when you are always doing the interrupting. So I share that with you today in a spirit of vulnerability to say if I am in a conversation with you and maybe a few others and I begin to be the interrupter, 
you have a free pass to say, hey, you are interrupting as long as I get to do the thing. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about interruptions because in the first few chapters of Luke, I noticed there's a lot. So in chapter one, we read about Zachariah and Elizabeth. This is an older couple making plans for their final days. They've had no children, and while they might be disappointed, I imagine they have accepted their reality and are looking forward to those golden years. And then one day, while Zachariah is at work, he's a priest, he's in the temple praying, out of nowhere, here comes an angel interrupting everything, interrupting his prayer and his work, his day, and really his life. Because this angel will tell Zachariah, your prayer has been heard. Zachariah, you will have a son and you will name him John. Forget the golden years, forget quiet evenings at home. Very soon, Zachariah and Elizabeth will have a newborn who will grow into a toddler. And then we know a young man who causes all kinds of ruckus. Forget the plans that Zachariah and Elizabeth might have had. They have all been interrupted. Shortly thereafter, we read of another couple, Mary and Joseph, planning to be married and, and um, out of nowhere, Mary is interrupted. While she might have been planning the wedding of her dreams and even getting ready for the first few years of just she and her husband together, you know, before they had children, kind of really pouring into their relationship. Instead, an angel comes along and interrupts those plans too and says, Mary, before your wedding night, you will conceive a child. This child will be of the Lord. And despite whatever plans Mary and Joseph might have had, for their beginning of their lives together. Instead, they will have a baby named Jesus. And then in our scripture for today, we find these shepherds, these men who've been taking care of sheep, winding down for the evening. I imagine that they've built a fire and are thankful for the cool breeze that is taking the smell of the sheep away for a little while. And as the amber fire pops and crackles, they've eaten their meal and are gathered around the fire together, sharing stories as men around campfires tend to do. And just before they can drift off to sleep, finally finding comfort despite the vulnerability of sleeping outside, here comes another interruption, interrupting their sleep and their work and their evening. The difference about these interruptions and those from coworkers or spouses or even a YouTube ad is that these come from angels. And angels are messengers. They are messengers who share the word of God. They are agents of God's will. They are active participants in what God is doing. Now Luke loves to talk about angels, but we see them all throughout our holy text. And one of the first things every angel says when they show up, and especially here in the beginning of Luke, are these words, don't be afraid. Yes, you're familiar. Don't be afraid. It's like it's their tagline or their opening statement. It's like they always show up and say, hey, 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 it's cool. It's cool. Don't freak out. Don't be afraid. It's cool. Now, maybe these angels always start off by saying, don't be afraid, because when they come in, they make a lot of noise. 
Maybe they're clumsy and they knock things over and the people are really startled. Or maybe they're just shining so brightly with God's glory and goodness that it's both blinding and terrifying all at the same time. Or maybe it's just the simple fact that at one moment there was nothing there and now all of a sudden, seemingly out of nowhere, there is this being. That can also be quite terrifying. But I wondered if this line, don't be afraid, is less about being afraid of the messenger and more about being afraid of the message. These angels, when they show up, they don't interrupt with a better idea. They don't interrupt to top your story. They don't even interrupt to try and sell anything. They interrupt with an invitation to be a part of God's will, to be a part of what God is doing, to play an active and real role in God's mission throughout the world. And let's face it, that can be pretty terrifying. When I first joined Deer Park United Methodist Church, after a few months, I was invited to serve as the head of the party planning committee. And I was thrilled. Yes! As a new, a new Christian, excited and on fire for God, as a young woman, I thought I would love to be able to plan op- events and opportunities for people to deepen their relationship with one another and build connections with those outside the church. Yes, I would be happy to be in charge of the party planning committee. Well, that's what I thought it was going to include. When actually it meant that I would be in charge of planning, recruiting, setting up, and cleaning up after all the events that the church was already planning to do. There was really no room for my ideas and my input. I willingly served for just as long as I could. In preparation for one of those church-wide events, I needed volunteers to help me. And after asking my Sunday school and the few friends that I knew, I was really getting nowhere. And finally, I decided to ask a woman who I had just begun to build a relationship with. We had just gotten to know each other, and I was pretty sure she was going to say no, but I was desperate. And so I asked her, hey, would you be willing to help me with this really big church-wide event thing? And I remember that she stood there in shock and in awe, and I was sure I had offended her in some way. And as she, but I waited for her to respond because again, I needed her. (laughs) I wasn't going to be her no for her. And as she stared back at me with terror in her eyes, she finally said, through a tremble in her voice, You would allow me to help with this thing? You would allow me to help? You would allow me? I wish I could say that was the first and only time that I've been asked that in response to an invitation to participate in God's will and God's work. But I get that all the time. Not necessarily overwhelmed by the load or the ask or even the task at hand, but by the audacity that, that, that I would be willing to let Regular people, average people, imperfect people to be a part of what God might be leading 
And I say to each and every one of those people who have responded to me and that asked the same way I responded to that woman on that day, of course I would. Of course I would find you more than enough to come and be a part of what God is doing. Of course I would allow you the opportunity to be a real relationship and real connection with how God is moving specifically right here, right now, today, of course. Friends, I strongly believe, despite all of our failures, all of our weaknesses and all the mistakes we have and will continue to make, and despite all of the power and amazingness and and unbelievable things that we can't even think of that God has at God's resources, Still, over and over, no matter what, God's favorite way to work is through humanity. It's the least efficient, but it's God's most favorite. And we see this over and over in our holy text where God comes to regular people, faulty people, people who would obviously ask the same exact question. You would allow me to come and be a part of what God is doing. I mean, isn't this the whole story of the incarnation? That God would pour God's self into flesh and bones, into bodies that fail us, with organs who don't always work right, where we sweat and groan. And once Jesus is here, he doesn't act solo. He doesn't retreat away always by himself, using only the powers within him, but instead reaches out to humanity, to real people, to fishermen, and tax collectors to women on the outside over and over choosing to do God's greatest work through humanity, regular people, the unqualified and the unseen. Just like when this angel comes to the shepherds in the middle of the night and the angel says something that is really, really great. The angel says, I bring you good news. Unto you a Savior is born. You, the unseen, the unqualified, you with mistakes and imperfections, you who do not believe you are worthy enough, you get a Savior. The Messiah has come. And this Messiah will restore all of Israel and be a light to the world. That's what reconcile means, to restore, to make like new to bring back to its original design. My husband likes to watch car restoration shows. I don't like to watch car restoration shows, but sometimes they're on, and so I catch a few scenes. And one uh, afternoon, he was watching an episode where a man brought in a 1960s, maybe early 70s classic car. I mean, at one time, it had been really beautiful, and it had a convertible top but the convertible top had been missing for an awful long time. And I knew this because the car was filled with leaves. I mean, filled almost to the top. And as I saw this car get brought in, I was like embarrassed for the man. I thought, what in the world has been going on in this man's life that this car could get this bad? I mean, how many times did he have to walk by this car, this really nice automobile that he already refused to put in the garage or even under a carport and see it exposed to the elements day after day? 
How many times did it rain and he did nothing? How often was this car left out in the sun to be scorched and all the interior cracked? Not to mention to be filled with leaves that were decaying and rotting through the bottom of the floorboard. And while I couldn't imagine doing something like that to a vehicle, I started to think about how often that might happen in relationships. How often days become weeks, become months, and become years, and before you know it, this precious, vulnerable thing is seemingly ruined. Ruined by the weather, by the experiences shared, and the words not where it seems like there's nothing that could ever bring this relationship back to new. May not have a restorer on a TV show we can bring those to, but we do have Christ Jesus, who comes to make all things new, to say it doesn't matter how many times you've made a mistake. It doesn't matter how many times you haven't been able to keep my word and my commands. It doesn't even matter how you've worshiped other gods and other idols just before me. This relationship is important enough that I would come crashing into earth to restore it, to reconcile my people back to know that they are in my hands. They are in real relationship with me and that there's nothing they could do to ever stop that. This is what Jesus comes to do, to restore, to reconcile, to bring us back into our original design and to say all of that mess that happened in between doesn't matter anymore because I find you worthy enough not only for my love and affection and for our closeness, but to be a part of my good and perfect will. One of my favorite things about the scripture from today is that after the uh, shepherds hear this news of the angel, they say, let us go. Let us go and see this thing that God has done. And when they find Mary and Joseph and Jesus in a manger, then they go and tell of what they saw. They go and tell of this news that God has brought them. They go and share this victory with all who would hear. For the neighbors and the people two towns over, those who had received the message then become the messengers. They go and share this truth that Christ has come, that our Savior is here, that our Messiah we've been waiting for has been born, that Israel would be restored and that they would be a light to the entire world. And as we began this Advent season, I just began to wonder, what if we too, what if we too for the next four weeks said some extra prayers, read some extra scripture, even lit a few extra candles with that in our minds and hearts, that Jesus has come, that we have been given the gift of full restoration, full reconciliation and invitation to be a part of what God is doing And what if we would do so much more than just simply receive this precious and wonderful gift? But what if we would go and share that message too? Maybe then, here on earth, might just look a lot more as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Holy and precious, good and reconciling God, You don't leave us in the depths of our despair. 
You don't leave us weathered and decaying from the inside out. You don't leave us in our shame, guilt, and doubt, but instead, oh God, you dwell with us. You come. You come to renew us, to bring us back into your wonderful and perfect plan. You see past our bruises and our sin, and you give us new life, real life, life that is true. And so, oh God, as this time of the year begins to increase with busyness, as our schedules get interrupted with more and more demands, as we wait expectantly for your final coming, Lord, let us see that you are here, that your kingdom has come, and that we are invited, worthy enough to live out this truth to all who would hear. It is in your holy and gracious and wonderful name that we pray. Amen.